0: Chapter 3 of Ronald and I, or Studies from Life, by Alfred Prater. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 3 On the Sands. Broadwater was fearfully dull on a Sunday, so I came over from Bayview, where I was staying, that Ronald and I might help each other in getting through the day. It was a blazing afternoon in August, and the park, shut in by hills, shimmered in a haze of heat i can't stand this said ronald ere i must get somehow and as it's not to be got nearer than the sea we'll walk to the shore in search of it it's rather hard on you to be sure who've done the walk once already but it's better than lounging about here when it's too hot to speak or think and at any rate we shall see the trippers it happened most unluckily that just as we reached the pier an open-air service had begun Of course, they had chosen the hottest corner possible for it, a nook sheltered by the masonry of the pier, which carefully excluded every breath of wind that might be travelling to us from the sea. But despite the heat, it was a temptation to mild excitement that Ronald found it impossible to resist. "'Not so good as the nigger minstrels, but better than nothing,' he said. So we joined the throng of listeners.' it was the usual audience the devotees mostly women forming the inner circle in close proximity to the preacher and the harmonium next came the half-hearted weaker vessels who separated the former as by a wall from the irreverent throng of idlers who laughed and talked and smoked on the outside fringe The preacher was a man of the ordinary type, only a little stouter, a little more flaccid, and even more illiterate than usual. Where do they come from, these preachers? Are they men who think they have a call or a gift? And are they accepted for the office on their own valuation? Certainly they are not chosen for any capability that can approve itself to the impartial hearer. The present representative of the school was enlarging, when we came up, upon the demerits of the publican. Ronald, after a few minutes, began to fume and fret. But he behaved for a while excellently well, though I could hear him muttering words in an undertone distinctly uncomplimentary to the preacher. And it is publicans like these, the scum and refuge of Jerusalem, that are represented in this town today by the innkeepers, barmen, and potboys, who an hour or two hence will be serving many of their fellow-creatures, many, I fear, of this audience, with drink to the ruin of their lives here, and of their hopes of salvation hereafter. Nothing of the sort shouted ronald he wasn't an innkeeper at all he was a tax collector every schoolboy knows that the silence that followed was awful every eye was turned upon the boy and it was a strain upon my loyalty to remain at his side and not then and there renounce his acquaintance oh he wasn't wasn't he young man said the preacher well as you seems to know more about the bible than i do perhaps you'll step up here and take my place kindly tell us if you please out of your superior knowledge what he was and why he was called a publican if it was a tax collector and why a poor collector of rays who only did his duty is held up to our scorn and reprobation yes our reprobation this word he regarded as a crushing climax to my complete and indescribable confusion ronald nothing loath accepted the challenge with delight and the next moment was standing on the platform addressing an appreciative audience what a sermon he gave them lasting without a pause or break for exactly half an hour every thought reasoned out and closing with a peroration of consummate eloquence by a clever feint he had diverted the text of the preacher to one on the Pharisee and the publican, making a scathing attack on the Phariseism of the day, which went to church and gave its alms openly and never in secret, which paid its way and kept the conventional commandments, and neglected, as of little count, the weightier things of unselfishness and love a day is coming when it will matter nothing where we lived nor in what occupations nor amidst what circumstances but only how we wrought and in what spirit we suffered be the thing you say be unselfish in your own poor way to your friends and to your home and to the world about you that is worth ten thousand sermons and a hundred thousand articles of religion a dead silence followed as he stepped down from the platform he had left a charm upon us that it seemed sacrilege to break. Then came a word or two. What a wonderful boy, a second Spurgeon, with all his eloquence and none of his irreverence. Some'n worth hearin', I calls it, how he did pitch into the bloomin' aristocrats. I'll come and hear you, young master, ever you holds forth again. Well, I never it was with this ungrammatical apocypesis that i started so soon as i could find breath to start it all where on earth ronald did you get it all from the boy had come back to me looking as cool as a cucumber and highly delighted with the sensation he had created don't tell fred he answered but it was a sermon of bonds we are made to analyse his sermons at school and say them afterwards for repetition lessons so when that old donkey fell foul of the publican i had one handy you see on that very subject and i thought it a pity not to fire it off surely i thought he'll be satisfied now and i tried to draw him away from the crowd who were becoming a trifle too much interested in our name and identity but no not a bit of it the excitement was full upon him still so up he went to the harmonium they had now started a hymn and looking over the shoulder of the performer she was a pretty girl of eighteen he began to sing as lustily as the best of them by degrees his arm i saw began to steal about her waist and fuss and fidget as she might she was powerless to help herself Her hands were occupied with the keyboard, and her feet with the blower, and with her voice, she had to lead the singing. So he had her at his mercy, and hugged her disgracefully, while she, poor girl, was powerless to resist. The audience all thought she was his sister, and highly commended him, it was clear, for the countenance and support he was giving her while the last line of the last verse was being sung the temptation became too strong for resistance and ronald stooped down and kissed her an action which touched still further the sympathetic heart of the audience a dear good young feller that as ever i seed said an old lady in my immediate neighbourhood i only wish as how he were a ton of mine a preachin' that fine for all the world like the bishop and a-lookin arter his sister so prettily and a nice young girl she is too after this exploit he slipped across the circle and joined me and a minute later with hot and blazing cheeks i was thankful to find myself round the corner and well on the way home before the throng of listeners had begun to disperse i felt indeed as must that bishop who obliged a small girl younger in years than in experience condescended to ring at a street door and was rewarded with the advice run run for your life they'll knock the air off your shoulders if they catches you i wonder what he elected to do pocket his dignity and run or rely upon his clerical attire to see him through in any case our anxiety would be more protracted what if the escapade should reach our uncle's ears? However, I was spared this climax. The story of it got wind in the servants' hall, as all stories do. But the servants were far too loyal to Master Ronald to betray him, and so it never made its way upstairs to the drawing-room. But the career of that preacher was ended in Bayview. End of chapter Three.